Father, would you just come and speak to us this morning? Would your word just come and uh, we want to submit ourselves under the truth of what you say in your word. That I ask that we open our hearts, that the Bible would come and speak truth um, into our hearts where we can't even tell truth. We can't even actually trust our souls to determine, but that's why you are the way, the truth, and the life. So I thank you for this, Jesus. Uh, we give you all authority to come and speak this morning by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and speak this morning in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. I'm really excited to preach this morning because it, I'm just going to tell you a story, and that's it. Uh, it's, uh, I'm just going to tell you my favorite story. And so I'll cry because I cried in worship because of the goodness of our God. And I'll get emotional because I can relate to the story. And I'm hoping that we can relate to the story. It is my favorite by far story in the Bible. I think I preach this every like six months, wherever, wherever I find it, because I just found this to be such a key part of my walk with Jesus and such a reminder for us. And so I'd love to just share the story and hopefully highlight some things to us that we could see, that we can see ourselves in the story. So I think that's some of the objectives from the beginning, that you would see yourself in the story. That's why we're given so many of these, not stories, but actual experiences, actual events that actually happened. And it shows us something of Jesus and it shows us something of who we are and it shows us something of who our Father is. Okay. So as we read that, I'd like you to do that. Don't approach this from an informational perspective. Don't sit here to be like, oh, I've heard this before. Because you're a Christian, you probably should have. You should have read it. You should have come across it. But actually, we're asking this morning that God would come by revelation, and he would speak to us through this. Is that cool? So we can turn in our Bibles to Luke 7 and verse 36. And so it is the story of Jesus going to the Pharisee's house for dinner. And so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And so one of the things that you have to understand already in the story is that most Pharisees are opposed to Jesus. Uh, some Pharisees are intrigued by Jesus and some Pharisees are trying to entrap Jesus. And uh, remember the Pharisee is representing very often, those of us who try and do things by our own effort, those who are working out what being a Christian looks like. I do this, therefore I am a Christian. Um, and so that's how the Pharisees, they believed that by keeping the law, they were made righteous. And so Jesus is massively offensive to them because there is nothing any one of us have done or can do to deserve what he's done for us. Nothing. And so Jesus sits down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman, and it says that this is a woman that everybody knew. And the reason why most people would know her is because this is, she would be, a, a lot of the historians, the Bible doesn't say prostitute. Uh, it lends itself, the translations, to everybody alluding to the fact that this woman was a prostitute. So much so that she knew how to get into a Pharisee's house. I wonder how. Maybe she'd been there before. And uh, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet. And this posture is quite interesting, and you'll understand 
while later. She knelt behind him. Every translation of the Bible will tell you that little one word it remains. She knelt behind him. And because of the way we sit at the dinner table, you don't, we don't really get that picture. Because we sit at the table, feet forward, table in front of us. But in Jesus' day, they sat at the table on their side, reclining with their feet at the side. So when she's behind Jesus, it means this. Everybody else can see who's there, but he can't. She's behind him. And so he's watching them, they're watching her. And so then she sat behind him at his feet, weeping. And her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself. This is an internal conversation, and you can imagine Jesus is sitting, watching them, and he can see exactly what's going on in Simon's heart. And so Simon says to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. As in, everybody else knows her. He he doesn't. Obviously, he's not who he claims to be. Because if he was, he would be what we expect him to be. He would be a prophet. He wouldn't let unclean people. He wouldn't let the worst people with the worst kind of sin worship him like that. Newsflash, if he didn't, I I think most of us wouldn't be here. If Jesus had a requirement for the the holiness level of who worshipped him, would you be there? I wouldn't be. Then she kept kissing his people. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. And this is this morning what I I really hope that the Holy Spirit would highlight to some of us in our hearts, in our thoughts, that things that we think that we don't even always articulate. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman. He turned to the woman. This whole time he hasn't, he hasn't spoke. She's been sobbing her eyes out. She's been pouring perfume out. She's been washing his feet. He hasn't even engaged with her yet. He's been talking to them. Then he turns to the woman and he says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving, to, forgiving sins? Again, they, 
Who does he think he is? How can he do that? And Jesus clarifies. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now and um, God, just pray that you would highlight in our hearts and that this word would not just be something from your word that we read as a story, but it would be applicable in our lives. And I suppose the reason why I'm leaning so much on asking the Lord to open our eyes and asking him to show us is because do you know that most of us tend to fall into the category of the Pharisee who doesn't recognize the sin in their life, but notices the fault in the others. That so often we can um, be very quick, and this is the nature of how humans work. We, when you get saved, immediately you're like, oh my goodness, what you've done is amazing. And then there's this tendency to, you, 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 thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And then you learn what it is to be a Christian, and you learn how to live, and you start to do it. And then you start to feel like that's what makes you a follower of Jesus. The fact that I'm this, and I'm that, and I do these things, and I serve Him, and I love Him, and I teach people, and I lead people, and I'm this incredible person, and I'm, and I'm missionary, and I, I, I don't swear, and I don't drink, and I don't smoke. And, I, and all of a sudden, we start to see very little about the debt of our lives that's been forgiven. When in actual fact, and and the reason why I wanted to talk about this this morning is last week we spoke about um, what are you, what will be the return of the investment that God gave you, which is your life. And this, the, the point this week of what I want to say is the way that you see a return is that you stay at the feet of Jesus. That you are somebody who consistently, every Sunday morning, Every time I come to worship, what is in your mind when you stand here singing, here I am to worship? I'll never know the price it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Do you still really think like that? Do you remember the miracle that it was for you to become a believer of Jesus? Because Jesus uses this analogy. He says, she did all these things so... The ESV says for, as in this is the evidence that her sin has been forgiven. As a Christian, it is not jump through the hoops so that you can show yourself to be a Christian. It's completely opposite. It's those who jump through the hoops are because their sin has been forgiven. I worship, I lift my hands, I love people, I give myself, I don't count mine as my own, I do everything that I can. Why? Because of what he did for me. That actually, as a believer, we never move on past this. It's almost like, how can you rehash this thing all the time? Like, I want to move on to the more mature things. Listen, there's nothing more mature than this realization. And there's nothing more of a warning in the book of Revelation. The warning for people is not, hey guys, don't forget all that intricate stuff you learned in theology school. Don't forget all the wisdom that you gained. No, no, no. It's don't forget your first love. Don't forget the way that you loved me at first and love those around you. That's in Revelation 2. Our question to you is, if you've been a Christian for, I don't know, Probably more than six months. It takes like six months before that edge can disappear. 
Do you see yourself as that woman who's been forgiven so much? And that your life is, is lived out as gratitude for what he's done. There is a sickness in the church. It's called entitled Christianity. It's people believe that they owed anything. I really felt like this morning that sometimes there, there's warnings in the scripture. There's warnings about saying, you think you're sure-footed, but be careful. Simon the Pharisee sitting in, he, he assumes he's doing the right thing. He's invited Jesus in and he's asking the questions. And Jesus is like, You've, you might be in yourself seated in the right place. But what about in your heart? Do you still see yourself? Do you still pour out the alabaster jar? everything that you have. I know that we are coming into the time of year where everybody is just thinking, I just want to survive. <laughs> Leave is coming. It's just there for some. For others, there's no hope. Shame. I'm sorry. Thank goodness that you're a Christian and you're going to heaven because there's no hope in December. For so many of us, it's like we hang on to this whole year so that we can have December, and then because we associate church and getting together and the life of God and community, because it's considered effort, it's like, I can't wait to get to December so I can have a break, and you just take this whole break from life, and you just, it's not just loving people, loving Jesus, it's just people just check out of life. Go on holiday, switch off. Drink more, chill more, more distance, less time. And yet when you speak to most Christians January to November, they'll tell you, I just don't have enough time. I just don't have time to spend time with him. It's just my schedule's super busy. And then when we do have freedom in the schedule, it's like, I just need a break. And Jesus is associated with my very busy life. Like, I mean, I have to go to church on Sundays. It's a big ask, you know. It's a joke, guys. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. The reason why you struggle to give him time and affection January through November is you've forgotten that he's repaid your debt of 500 silver coins like this woman. In worship, I was crying because I was like, when we sang that bridge, I'll never know how much it cost. I, all the time, all the time, I sit there and I go, I have no idea why he chose me. I feel like I'm the least deserving person. I cannot believe what he's forgiven me for. Like the repetitive inconsistency. I mean, just that, forget the sin. I'm like, if I had the type of relationship with me that God has with me, if that was my friend, I would be discouraged because, man, I can be like this. But not with him. And I'm saying forget the sin. If we add on the sin, if you add on the, the, 
the fact that there's stuff that we love to run to that is so harmful for us. December, and I know, I'm sorry, that's why I said, I'm sorry that this is not this most eloquent preach that's going to fill you with wisdom. I'm saying, I, I, I just want to speak the raw realities of life to you. We're coming into December. People are going to start chilling. It's great to chill. People are going to start to check out of life. Like, okay, I'm going on leave. I'm going away. I'm going on holiday. I can't wait to get a break. I can't to relax. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're working. And I'm just saying to you, it doesn't matter whether you have your December or your January to November chaos. You will find space to make him the priority when you remember what he's done for you. That's why Jesus gave us this command of communion. Do this in remembrance of me. We forget quickly. You can have had the most incredible encounter with Jesus on Monday, and on Wednesday, you can be falling apart at the seams. That's how we are. Was that just me? I'm the only melancholic personality. Yeah, hey. <laughs> God can rock up in a moment and we're like, wow, everything's changed. And the next week, we're back to doing exactly what we were doing. I'm saying there is a keeping in a relationship with him where it's like coming back to this consistently, coming back to God, I want to pour out everything that I have because you've forgiven me so much.